Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. It's going to be great. I'm starting a new series tonight called Pick Up the Mantle. Uh, I'll be sharing tonight specifically from the story of Elijah and Elisha. But um, this is actually something that God um, put on my heart um, on a Sunday service here. I felt Jesus say, who's going to pick up my mantle? I believe that he's saying like, just how Elijah was caught up into heaven. And Elisha picked up that mantle and struck the water saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? I believe that Jesus ascended into heaven and he left his mantle here for his followers. He left the power, the authority, the anointing of the Holy Spirit for us. And he's saying today to all who follow him, who will pick up my mantle? Who will take it and strike the waters, strike the nations? And say, where is the Lord our God? It's time for us, the church, the body, to pick up the mantle of Jesus Christ, to pick up the Holy Spirit and to walk in his authority, to to impact and to heal the nations, to heal the waters, amen? So uh, I believe this is kind of a prophetic type message to pick up the mantle. Uh, I'll share on this for a few weeks, but we're going to start off with the story of Elijah and Elisha. So this mantle, you know, mantle is like a coat, but it's more than just a coat. You know, it's a covering, but it's also a symbol of authority, a symbol of position, a symbol of ability and power. And we all need to pick up this mantle. Jesus wants his body to pick up his mantle, to be his hands, to be his feet, to walk in his authority. So we see this kind of um, type of of transfer of anointing, this mantle anointing um, in several stories in scripture, um, starting specifically with the story of Elijah and Elisha. So um, let's go to 1 Kings 19. And just start off here, 1 Kings 19 and verse 14. So this is um, when God impresses on Elijah's heart that he needs to find someone to invest in, find Elisha, someone who's going to take his mantle eventually. And uh, God speaks to Elijah at at a a very important time in Elijah's life. This was actually one of the lowest points in Elijah's life. He felt like giving up. He was running away from Jezebel. You know, he... he, uh, you know, experienced a lot of great things, saw a lot of God's miraculous power. You know, he, he, he spoke and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He was fed by ravens, resurrected a widow's son. He called fire down from heaven on an altar drenched in water. You know, saw this, he, he, he led, led this battle against all the prophets of Baal and, um, you know, saw a tremendous victory, but here he is at a a low point, and he's crying out to God, 1 Kings 19, verse 14, and he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So he was at a a low point here. Um, How many of you have ever felt feelings like that at a low point? Just watching the news today, I felt like that. I felt like our nation has reached a low point in many areas. Verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So he was at a low point, but God told him what to do. You're going to have to anoint someone in your place. Verse 17, it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha, will kill. So let's go on here. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. There are more people that are on God's side than you, than you can realize. There are more people out there who are people of faith, who put the name of the Lord first, who are not going to bow to any idol. There are more people out there than you realize. Amen. And that's something that we need to realize today. Verse 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. He threw his mantle on him. Elisha knew what that meant. That knew, he knew that that meant he was being called. You know, called to, to, to something different, to a change in life. You know, Elisha probably was a very wealthy young man. Um, Bible scholars think he was about in his 20s. If he had 12 yoke of oxen, he was very, very um, 
you know, affluent, very wealthy. So for him to give all that up and to just go follow after Elijah, it was a big thing. It was a, it was a big sacrifice. So my first point to you is this. If God calls you to do something, do it. You know, Elisha, he was called by God to go, to go with Elijah, and he did it. And um, not only that, he was, his destiny was tied to this relationship with Elijah. Elisha wasn't going to do everything that God called him to do if he did not have this relationship with Elijah. Does that make sense? I made this statement before, and I know it's an important statement because my dad copied it the very next Sunday. He said it in a different way, so if my dad um, copied me, then I can, I can repeat it again. But my, my point is this, your destiny is tied to your relationships. Relationships are so important, especially mentor relationships, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, also practical mentors. You know, maybe in a business you're, you're starting in, a, a trade you're in, um, whatever you're pursuing, mentor relationships are important. And Elisha, his destiny that God had for him, it, it was connected to his relationship with Elijah. So again, your destiny is tied to your relationships. And again, for Elisha to just you know, step away from, from his, his comfort, from his affluence, and just go be a servant, it was a, it was a dramatic shift in his life. But he heard God, God's call, and he, he followed it. And Elijah threw that mantle on him. Um, that mantle is also a symbol of a covering. Everyone needs to have a covering. Everyone needs to have a teacher, a role model, a, a mentor. And we also need to have respect for people in those roles. Um, I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.15 about this role of a mentor, someone who throws a mantle over you. He says in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. He's saying, I'm not just an instructor. I'm not just a teacher. I, I'm a spiritual father to you. Therefore, you need to imitate me. You need to respect me. You need to honor this relationship I have with you. Does that make sense? We all need people like that who can speak into our life, that we can say, hey, that, that is a role model to me. I'm going to imitate them. Does that make sense? And a, a lot of people like to kind of go rogue and just, you know, I'm not going to be attached to anyone. I'm just going to have 10,000 teachers but no spiritual fathers, no spiritual mothers in my life. That's a very dangerous place to be in. When you say, I'm just going to have pick all these instructors and not have any role models in my life, no one who can speak directly into my life. That's not God's best for you. You need to have a mentor. You need to have someone who can speak into your life, someone you say, that, that's my role model. I want to imitate them. Does that make sense? And also honor that person. Paul's calling the Corinthians out on that. He's saying, you need to honor this relationship. I'm, a, I'm not just a teacher. I'm a father to you, and you need to imitate me. You need to do what I, I'm telling you to do. You know, this, this is also true, you know, in, in other mentor roles, the practical mentors. You know, I had, um, you know, it, it's, musicians really get this, that their destiny is tied to their mentor relationships. You know, when I, when I auditioned for, for grad school at Rice University, there were 100 people auditioning for one opening to stay with the teacher there. Because musicians know whoever my teacher is, that my destiny, my success in this career, it's tied to who my teacher is. Yet a lot of believers don't think that way. They think they, they know it all on their own. I don't need to be planted anywhere. I don't need to submit to anyone. But you, your destiny is tied to who, who you see as your mentor. And if you don't have a mentor, you don't have a spiritual father, spiritual mother, it can be a dangerous place to be. And you need to be around people that you can say, you know, that, I'm going to imitate that person. They're, they're a godly person. They're a righteous person. They stand up for what's true. They're, they're bold. They're full of faith. I'm going to imitate that person. Now, you don't have to figure out everything on your own. You can imitate some people. You know, someone called me, called me last week wanting advice on how to, how to do, you know, an on, start an online business. I've done a little bit but that, with that, but I told him, you know, the, the specific thing you want to do online and sell, you need to go find some people who are doing it and just imitate them, copy them, you know, take the pictures exactly the same way they do it, have the exact same return policy, have the exact same price, imitate them 100%. You know, you know musicians understand this, artists understand this. There's, there's this great quote, I love it, it's, it's um, you know, great artists don't borrow, they steal. If you want to start a business, don't just go 
Find someone else who's done it and do exactly what they have done. You know, if if you want to invent a light bulb, go find the guy who invented the light bulb and make it exactly how he did it. Right? And again, imitation, it's important. It's the highest form of flattery. So you need to find a mentor, someone that, that you can imitate and honor these relationships. Honor people who've invested in you. You know, even even um, some of my music teachers I've had over the years, I still, I still try to honor them. I still try to maintain that relationship. Even though I'm not you know, trying to pursue a career in that, just th- those relationships are so important to me. I value people who've invested in me, who've tried to help me along the way. I, I want to maintain those relationships. I don't just want to cut those off. Does that make sense? That, that's, a really, that's, a, that's a whole message right there. And a lot of people don't get that. They're just willing to cut off ties just as soon as they get offended about something. I'm just going to burn that bridge, cut off that relationship. I know more than anyone else. That's a, that's a very dangerous place to be in. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ with that attitude. You know, we're, we're to submit to one another, not to criticize one another. This is good. This is really good. So he threw his mantle on him, verse 20, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So he took everything he had he slaughtered it, had a sacrifice, gave it to the people. You know, he, he was a giver. He wasn't tied. His identity wasn't wrapped up in his, in his career, in his affluence, in his position, right? I, I love that. He was a giver. You know, to, to follow God's call, it helps to be a giver. You know, and he, sacrifice often comes first. When God calls you to do something, there often is a sacrifice that has to take place. Now, I know, I know my dad, when he was called to go into ministry, he was set up to, 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 to take over his family's you know, business. His family owned a, you know, a very, you know, a lot of property. They had an Arabian horse ranch. He was set up to inherit this entire thing. I don't, you know, if you valued it, it'd probably be at least a million dollars, right? What, you know, what he was set up to, to inherit. And um, he felt like he was called to go into ministry. You know, and, and people in his family said, well, if you're going to go into ministry, we can't, we can't give you this inheritance. We're going to have to change the will. And my dad said, well, I, this is what God's called me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. So that, that was a big sacrifice right off the bat. Just like Elisha had to sacrifice some things right off the bat and go and do what God called. You know, sometimes that, that sacrifice often comes first. But I'm going to tell you this, if you hear God's call on your life and you make that sacrifice, if you obey and follow, you'll be much better off. You will not regret that decision in the long run. I promise you 100% of the time you are not going to regret that decision. So Elisha, he boiled the oxen flesh, oxen's flesh, he gave it to the people and they ate. And he, you know, he was a giver. I think God loves to call givers because he's a giver. God loves to call givers. You know, um, just January 4th on my birthday, you know, Governor Polis wanted to honor me on my birthday and opened up restaurants. So my, my wife and I, we were celebrating my, my birthday um, by spending a night at the Broadmoor. And, um, you know, Papa Lawson, Grammy, Barbara here, you know, graciously decided to keep Ada and Fisher for not one but two nights and um, so they, 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 they sacrificed a great deal, you know, but they heard God's call to, you know, take the kids for two nights. I'm believing that God will, you know, reward them for that sacrifice. And, um, but anyways, we, we, went to, we went to IHOP January 4th, the morning, you know, of my birthday, seeing how, you know, the governor wanted to honor me on my birthday. Went to IHOP, and um, we're sitting at IHOP, and um, there aren't that many people there, and, um, we're probably one of the, you know, the first customers they've had, you know, sitting there in person in, you know, almost two months now. And um, our waiter came up to us, like, super happy, a young guy, just so, so, he was just so excited to serve someone in person sitting at that table. 
He was so ecstatic. He, he, he lives in Pueblo, commutes all the way to Carter Springs to work at IHOP. He's just telling us how thankful he was to have that job and to be able to, to serve tables, to bring us pancakes and coffee. And, um, you know, God just impressed on my heart, you know, I should, I should give this guy a, a big tip. So I was thinking, you know, our bill would be about 15, 20 bucks. So I was, gonna, I was thinking, I'll give him 20 bucks. So I looked in my wallet. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any 20s. I only had like a couple 50s, something. And, well, maybe I could do 50. And I'm just sitting there thinking, pondering this to myself. And Heather, Heather my, my wife, who, who is a big time giver, she didn't even know what I was thinking or what God was impressing upon her. She just said, we should give him 100 bucks. And I, I went from 20 to, well, how about 50? <laughs> I was about ready to ask her for a 20. But I'm like, well, how about 50? And I'm like, no. You know, if God's speaking to me and speaking to her at the same time, this, this is a God thing, right? He's speaking to two people at the same time. We better give this guy $100. And uh, my wife, you know, she, she's a big-time giver. She's like, she's like Elisha. If she had 12 yoke of oxen and God told her to slaughter, she just, boom, right away, run to Elijah. No problem. I'd, I'd have to kind of think it through, look at the spreadsheets and <laughs> calculate how much I'm sacrificing here. You know, what would these oxen be worth, you know, two years from now with the rate of return and you know what's my opportunity cost you know I, I'd be crunching some numbers but I, I just went with Heather on this sure we'll just give this guy a hundred bucks so we, we, I gave him a hundred dollars and he was so excited he, we, he went to the back and he you know Heather, Heather's watching him he's like stuck his hand up in the air like victory you know I'm going to see a victory like, he's super excited and telling everyone you know about what happened and, um, but I, I knew I knew that bless bless Heather, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive, and it was just a big blessing, but God loves givers, he loves to call people who are givers, and uh, you know, I, I, think, I think sometimes it's hard for God to use stingy people because he can't get much through stingy people. He wants to get some things through you, he wants to get, you know, finances through you, but, you know, power through you, love through you, you know, he wants to work through you. He wants his word to come through you, his blessing to come through you. And, and uh, this is a great statement. You can quote Pastor Reverend Dr. Aaron Purdue on this. But the power of God flows through the path of least resistance. It's a great statement. You guys can just keep that nugget. It'll be worth you coming to church tonight just for that. But his power, it flows through the path of least resistance. So don't, don't resist him. Be a giver. God is a giver. And, um, you know, Elisha's calling in life, it started with him being a servant first. You know, he served, served Elijah behind the scenes for years. We often don't, don't see what goes on during those servant years, but those servant years are important years. You know, the, the story picks up, you know, a few chapters later where he picks up the mantle and things go really fast. But, the, but there, there were years where he was a servant. And, you know, he didn't just instantly pick up that mantle. That mantle, that anointing that was coming upon Elisha, that, that, that took years to happen. Him fulfilling his destiny, it took years of that relationship for that to happen. Does that make sense? It wasn't just an instant, I've got the power thing. It took years. He, he learned for years, right? And it came from him being a servant. You know, I went to Lakewood Church when I was in school in Houston. I, I got to see Joel Osteen, um, his ministry there. But I know for, for 16 years before he became the pastor there, he worked behind the scenes. He was just a, a servant behind the scenes. And, um, you know, but he, he learned things there behind the scenes. He, he ran the TV program for his dad. And his number one goal was to make his dad look good. And that's what he did for 16 years. It was all just about making his dad look good. You know, every, every Saturday night, he would show up at his dad's house, help, help his dad pick out his coat, help him pick out his tie, you know, make sure it looked good on the camera. You know, he did these things. And um, God, God sees that. God's love pe God loves people who have a servant heart. He loves people who have a servant heart. And um, a lot of people want to be great but I like what Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You know, so I think that's something important for us to remember. We should have that desire to serve. And remember, it's, it's an honor to serve. It's an honor to serve. And, um, you know, Elisha served for years before um, 
you know, we pick up the story here. So let's go on to the next part of the story. Second Kings chapter two now. And we don't really see much about Elisha during those servant years, but I know it, I studied out, it, it was a, a, you know, probably near, nearly a decade long he just served behind the scenes. But those were important years because you know, the, the, that mantle transferred, it didn't just happen instantly. Right, there were, there were years of, of sacrifice, years of service, and God saw that. So let's go on here. Second Kings chapter 2 now. Verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But, as he, but he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So that was the third time that he was tested. His loyalty was tested. Three times his loyalty was tested, but he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm here with you until the very end. God loves people who have a loyal heart. You know, so be a faithful servant. We see that Elisha was a person who was faithful. That faithfulness was tested three times, but each time his response was the same. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So my, my message is that we need to be faithful, be loyal, don't be flaky, be committed. That's something that lacks, you know, big time in our culture today. Loyalty, faithfulness, service. You know, these, these are four things I always look for, for people in leadership roles here at the church. And when we're hiring staff members, it's, I look for people who, number one, they are called. Number two, they are committed. Number three, they are connected. And number four, they want to contribute. They're contributing. Those four C's are very important. And... Um, you know, Elisha passed that test. He passed, you know, the faithfulness test. I like what Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 10 through 12. He said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Sometimes we want to start our own business, buy our own house, do these kind of things, but you know, are, are, you, are you being faithful with that, which is another man's? Are you taking care of what you're renting, what you're leasing, you know, the, the, for the person who's hired you, and you, your, your hours are in service to them? Are we being faithful with those things? You know, are, we, are we being faithful stewards of money as well? You know, I, I got to hear um, Robert Morris, the pastor at Gateway Church, speak in Houston once, and I'm... Um, he said um, when he was, as a pastor there, there was a, a young man pursuing his daughter. You know, want, wanting to date his daughter, wanting to, to eventually marry his daughter. So Robert Morris, he's a, he's a smart man. You don't just have a church of 50,000 people out of nowhere. So what he did, he looked up that young man's giving record. If you're not faithful with that which is least, why am I going to give to you true riches, Right? So to, to any young people out there, marry a giver. If they aren't faithful with their money, if, they, if they're not givers with their money, just stay away, stay away from them. You know, the, the, the number one, you know, cause of divorce is selfishness. Number one. I learned that from my dad. So you, you can see those things right off from the beginning. I love that story about Robert Morris. He's a smart man. So keep being faithful, keep doing what God has called you to do, and don't just keep passing the faithfulness test. You know, sometimes people drop out on the faithfulness test because they're looking for a, a, a quick, quick ramp just to, to get their own success, do their own thing, I'm going to promote myself. Don't try to promote yourself, let God promote you. 
Keep being faithful to where God has called you, where he's placed you. You know, you might not feel like you get the the rewards you deserve, the recognition you deserve, sometimes not even the pay that you think you deserve. But if God has called you to be there, do it with all your heart, be faithful. If your life is just about a paycheck, you're gonna have a, you're not gonna be that happy in life. Because a paycheck, no matter how much it is, it's never gonna be enough to fulfill you. But keep being faithful to what God has called you. He's going to reward you. He rewards those who have a loyal heart. I love what 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. I love God's going to reward you. He's going to promote you. He's going to take really good care of you. Amen? And I think, I think sometimes um, God, God is, man, he's always looking at people's heart. He's always looking at, looking at their loyalty, at their faithfulness. You know, sometimes we look at, at other things first. We look at people's ability, their charisma, their, their personality, their talents, their charm. But God looks at faithfulness first. You know, ability is important, but faithfulness is more important. I like what, like what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. This is really great. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. I've never heard anyone preach this before from 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. This is going to be some great insight for you all. You look look very excited. But 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, it says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So first you need to commit things to faithful men who then will be able to teach teach others also. So those are two essential traits, faithfulness and ability. But faithfulness comes first, right? God, I I think people tend to twist it around. We look for for ability first. We look at, you know, I don't care about someone's commitment. I don't care about their their faithfulness. I don't care, you know, I, I I want someone who really grabs my attention emotionally, or who, who can really perform well, who can really speak well, who has tons of charisma and charm and, or maybe tons of talent and ability and just, just the biggest resume. And th- those things can be important, but the, the, the first thing that's far more important is faithfulness. So I think God looks for faithfulness first. And then once he finds someone who's faithful, finds someone who will step out in that call, He'll give them the ability. It's no problem for God to give someone ability. If he's called you to do something, he's going to make it possible. He'll fund it. He'll he'll help you you find the mentors you need. He'll help you get the talent you need, the education you need. He, He can help you with ability. But faithfulness is your choice. Faithfulness is is making the 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 right decision time and time and time after again over the long haul. You know, my, my youth pastors are here tonight. Paul and Corey Stewart have been a part of this church for a long time. It wasn't that long ago that I was just a youth here. But, you know, in my years in the youth, this was, this was their, their number one message. I still remember it. You, never, you might be, be preaching to a youth, youth group with 20 kids, but some of those kids might still remember what you were preaching. But success is making the right choice time after time after time again. Faithfulness is, is directly linked to success. Amen? I still remember that. that that's helped me over the years. Sometimes when I didn't want to be faithful. But God sees faithfulness. You know, be faithful to God, be faithful to, to where he's called you to be, to who he's called you to be in relationship with. Keep being faithful. God will reward you. And he's the one who brings promotion. So God rewards those with a loyal heart. Let's go on with the story. This is, I, I love this part of the story. And this, this, is, this is the part that I'm really excited to share with you tonight. Verse 7. So 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. This is near Jericho. This is the, the same place in the Jordan River where the Israelites crossed into the promised land. 
The same place in the Jordan River where, where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Right here, a very important place um, geographically. Verse 8, now Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? This might have been the first time Elijah asked Elisha, hey, what do you want? He might have served him for 10 years and this might have been the first time where Elisha, now it's about you. The first time he asked, what do you want? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So I said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He was that committed to Elijah. He called him my father, my father, and he tore his clothes. Elisha probably knew, what, knew that he was going to be stepping into something greater at this point. God had probably been already speaking to him. That's why he didn't want to leave Elijah. He knew he needed to be there with him till the very end. But he, he was so connected to Elijah. You know, it was so committed to him that, that he, he had this reaction. So verse 13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. I love this. Elijah had just been a servant for probably 10 years. Probably for 10 years. And, and um, Elisha, for what we know, he probably hadn't performed a single miracle. Hadn't spoken a single message. Hadn't uttered a single prof prophetic word to anyone publicly. And he picks up that mantle. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. That's just so awesome. He just stepped out in that anointing. And you know, that when he picked up that mantle, he wasn't just picking it up for the first time. He was with Elijah for years and years and years. Now that, what, what was in that mantle didn't just suddenly come upon him. And he was just suddenly inspired to step out in faith. He was with a man of faith for years and years and years. And that spirit of faith had come upon him well before this moment. Faith is contagious. You know, a lot of people are worried about how contagious things are out there. You know, I, I know one thing that I'm excited about that it's contagious, and that, that is faith. Faith is contagious. We need to be around people of faith. People who trust God, people who believe God, people who put all their hope in the name of Jesus. More so today than ever before in human history. More so today in America than ever before in American history. We need to be people of faith and be around people of faith. I believe that this year, this time, it is the time for, for the church to rise up, for the church to pick up the mantle of Jesus Christ. I believe now is the time. God is not done with this nation. There are well, you might feel like you're all alone but you're not. There are other people who, who in this nation who love God, who love Jesus, who love this country. Amen. And this country, this country is the greatest exporter of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here at Caris Christian Center, we make, we make it part of our mission to, to export the gospel. To, to put it on, on Facebook Live, on television, you know, write books here at the church to support other churches, other ministries. We literally give hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And we can do that because we're in a nation that values freedom. And God's not done with this nation yet. We are a Christian nation. We are still a Christian nation. Even if there's completely idiotic politicians who get pastors up in front of Congress and say, amen and a woman, <laughs> to mock Jesus, to mock pastors, to mock Christianity. My God shall not be mocked. My faith shall not be mocked. Jesus Christ shall not be mocked. I will not be put to shame. God loves this country. God loves the Constitution. God loves freedom. God loves our faith. He's not done with us yet. So don't be like Elijah and run away from Jezebel. Run away from... There's plenty of people who operate in that Jezebel anointing. I'm not running away. I'm going to be a person of faith. And I know that faith is contagious. Faith is contagious. Keep being people of faith. Keep going to houses of worship that are houses of faith and grace. Man, faith excites me. That spirit of faith, it is contagious. Elisha was, was connected to that for years upon years. Faith is contagious. And he, when you're around people of faith, you desire. You desire the supernatural. You, you desire something. You want to pick up that mantle and strike the water and say, where is our God Almighty? Where is the God of our fathers? You know, I love, I love what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Everyone here, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should desire spiritual gifts. What are these spiritual gifts? He talks about them in 1 Corinthians 12. Words of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. You know, we need to step out in faith. We need to desire the supernatural, be zealous for those things. We need to pick up some mantles. And step out in faith. God's not done with us yet. It's, it's just getting good. It's just the beginning. I think this church is going to explode. I believe that by the end of this year, by the end of 2021, this church is going to be double in size, double in finances, double in our outreach in one year's time. Why? Because faith is contagious, and this is a place of faith. We preach the word of faith. And it's contagious. It's awesome. I'm excited, if you can't tell. I love what happens next. Let's read on here. Let's continue with this story here. So he struck the water. It was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Then they said to him, look, now there are 50 strong men with you, servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore, they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but could not find him. 18, they came back to him for he had stayed in Jericho. He said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? Then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation of the city is, is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. So probably what had happened here in Jericho, Jericho is very close to the Dead Sea. Probably the, the, the Dead Sea, the salinity of that water creeped up the Jordan River to where Jericho was. And that whole, so the water there, their water sources were, were salty and, and bad from that salt. So what did Elisha say? He said, 
He said, bring me a bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him and he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Now that, that water being healed, that is very significant. What do the waters symbolize in scripture? What do the waters symbolize? When the waters were, were bitter in the wilderness, they named the place Mara. And Moses took a tree and threw it in the waters, and the waters were healed. And they had the revelation that, that God, Jehovah Yahweh, is Rapha. He is the healer. What did that tree symbolize when it was thrown into the waters? The cross healing the waters, healing the nations. The waters represent the nations. So just like Elijah took that mantle and struck the waters, the same waters he struck, he, he divided, he, he had power over, he impacted. He also healed. That's what the church is supposed to do today concerning the nations. We are to impact the nations. The gospel is to impact the nations. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is, is more powerful than a hammer. The gospel, we are to impact the nations and to heal the nations. We are the salt of the earth. We are the salt that is thrown into the waters, into the nations of the earth. I believe that, that there's not only going to be revival in America, a massive faith and grace revival in America. There are, there are going to be revivals in nations all around the world. Nations that people thought were, were impossible to experience revival. Amen. Middle Eastern nations. I believe that America is going to become envious of Middle Eastern nations and the revival that's taking place there. And the miracles that are taking place there. I believe that people who've just got on their spiritual, apathetic, lazy boy in America, they're going to see what's going on. And something is going to be stirred within them. Saying, why not here? Why not here? Why not, why not me? Maybe God can use me. So I, I believe there's going to be a big shift in America in the, years, in the very soon years to come. Where there's going to be a shift, a, a shift where, where people are going to be, they're going to be sick of apathy. Sick of indifference. Sick of, of preachers who say things like amen and a woman. I believe that prophets of Baal are going to be coming down. I believe that Jezebel, that spirit of Jezebel is going to be thrown to the road, dashed to pieces, run over, and licked up by dogs. That spirit, that wicked spirit that is clenched clenched nearly half of this nation. So my, my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in his word. I don't know what's going to happen in the days to come politically, but my hope is in Jesus. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, some trust in politicians, some trust in vaccines, some trust in... Your, your ultimate trust needs to be in Jesus. I don't care who you are, what side of the political spectrum you fall on, your trust needs to be in Jesus. There, there's going to be a lot of shaking going on. And there needs to be some shaking to go on. There's going to be some towers that are going to be toppling over. But I know those who put their hope in the name of the Lord, they will not be put to shame. I know, I know God loves, loves America. He loves, he loves believers. He loves this church. God loves this church. God loves each and every one of you. Man, I, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful to, to be able to preach here on Wednesday nights. I love seeing you all here on Wednesday nights. I love seeing you all here on Sundays. This is a great place to be. I, I, I'm really excited. I'm more excited 
about being the associate pastor here than ever before. After being here for five years now, I think. Five years? Five years, March 1st, 2016. It's my first day here. So keep, keep pursuing God's call on your life. Amen. Keep being a servant. And um, man, God, God just really put this on my heart. Psalm 2, verse 8 and 9. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And the ends of the earth for your possession, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. God wants us to both impact and to heal the nations. He wants the church to do it. He wants the church to pick up his mantle today. Amen. So I'm excited about this series. It's, again, a little more on the prophetic side. I'm usually very uh, point by point, you know, let's dig into the Hebrew kind of teacher. But I, I feel this, I, I just felt like God wanted me to share on this. Um, next week, I'm going to talk about Moses and Joshua. And the week after, I'm going to talk about Jesus and the day of Pentecost, when that mantle came right down. And they picked it up. Awesome things happen when you pick up the mantle of the Holy Spirit. So um, um, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, man, in these days, it's a good time to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, teaches us things, shows us things, leads us, guides us. You need the Holy Spirit. If you've never received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can do that tonight. If you believe on Jesus, all you have to do is ask and pray and receive. It's that simple. You know, I, I, had, I had a friend um, in college. Well, I went to college in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at Carnegie Mellon University. I felt like Elijah there. I love the story of Elijah because I felt like, you know, I was walking to the bus to go to church Sunday mornings. There was no one there, just lots of partying and craziness. And it's probably the only Christian Republican on campus. God, they've all bowed to Baal, you know, Saturday night partying all night. I'm the only one. You're not the only one. But I, I had a friend um, um, who uh, I was trying to show her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She, she's a very devout believer, um, just very hungry for God. She, she actually reads scripture two to, two to three hours a day, read, read the Bible. She's just really thirsty for God. And, um, um, and um, we went to, a, a, our church um, helped sponsor a healing evangelist by the name of Billy Burke, who's, who's kind of even more famous now. He does a lot of stuff with Kenneth Copeland. But um, Billy Burke was healed when he was 10 years old of a terminal brain tumor in a Catherine Kuhlman meeting in downtown Pittsburgh at the First Presbyterian Church in downtown Pittsburgh. He was sitting up in the balcony. I got five minutes still, Dad. Oh, Okay. He's looking at his watch. He got a new Apple watch, so. Maybe it's a text or something. I don't know. Some, I got five minutes. But I think there's a couple people here who haven't received the Holy Spirit, so I really wanted to share this story with you. But um, he was healed in, a, in this meeting at 10 years of age. Um, you know, sent home to die, completely healed. Mirac miracle. Man, no one can contest miracles. If I ever post something political, you know, all my liberal college musician friends love to jump on there and attack it. But if you post something about a miracle, they can't attack that. And, uh, you know, we, we have people in this building right now serving in this building that, that have been miraculously healed, like sent home to die. Um, but anyway, we, we saw some, some incredible miracles and she, she called her, her mother and told her what she was saying and her mother said, well, even, even the devil can perform miracles. And I just said, you know, we, we were going through scripture talking about, you know, miracles and the Holy Spirit. And, and um, I, I said, you know, the, the devil doesn't want people to be healed. The devil doesn't want people to receive Jesus. People are receiving Jesus at these meetings. You know, it's clearly a thing from God. And, um, you know, I, I'm just done debating with you. You know, I've, I've shown you in scripture, you know, do, do you want this? Do you want this gift? Jesus wants to give it to you. Do you want it? She said, yes, I want it. And um, I just prayed a very simple prayer. For I just said, Jesus, I thank you that you want us to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
I thank you that it's a free gift. I think it's a pro- the promise that you have from the Father for us. And if we ask for it, we will have it. And it was that simple of a prayer. And as I prayed it, her, her hand just started shaking like, like crazy. And then and she was like praying in tongues and fell on the floor you know, in her dorm room, was rolling on the floor, just praying in tongues, crying, sobbing. Um, and then just a few minutes after this, her you know, atheist roommate comes walking in and I just pick up, pick up my friend and carry her to the, to the lounge. And um, she's just rolling on the floor and, and uh, I'm not the greatest theologian in the world, but I could see that something very special was happening. And even though I grew up in a holy roller church, it actually scared me a little. <laughs> like, this is, she's not faking, it's not one of those courtesy falls <laughs> where the, you know, the, the minister pushes a little and So like some in my great you know theologian, I, I realized something. I'm like, hey, something special is happening here. Ask ask God what you want. And you know, my friend, she was a flutist as well, and um, she she had injured herself by practicing nine hours a day. She had she had terrible tendonitis, so bad she had to get steroid shots in her arms. Couldn't even open a doorknob. Just constant pain all the time. Was thinking about you know giving up music because of, of her injury. And I was thinking, hey, you know, I, I know you're from kind of a twisted theological thing where you think God did this to you, but hey, maybe, maybe you'll have a breakthrough moment here and ask for healing for your arms. But she didn't ask for that. First, she asked, well, I, I want my heart to be healed. And her, her, her arms were just shaking as she asked that. Her, heart went, her hand went over to her heart and it was shaking over her heart. And um, from that moment on, she, she was a different person. Every, every bit of guilt, shame, condemnation, all these things she lived under, that people put on her, her family put on her. It, it was just gone like that. And, and I just told her, the, the, hey, keep asking. Ask for your arms to be healed. So she did. God, heal my arms. Arms were shaking, and they, they were instantly healed. Instantly healed. No more, no more pain, no more steroid shots, no, none of that. Com- completely healed. And, uh, you know, God, God wants you to receive the Holy Spirit. For, for, for you to do what he's called you to do, that, that is part of that mantle and anointing that Jesus has for us. So uh, at the end of service, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, it's, it's very simple. All you have to do is believe on Jesus and then ask for it. And I'd be happy to pray with you, to ask with you, and I believe that you will receive it. You'll be able to, to pray in tongues and just, man, to just step out into great things that God has for you. Thanks for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.carischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.